Welcome to the Influence Factory podcast. This program is dedicated to support professionals who have a desire to develop their digital business influence so they can navigate through a fast-paced, constantly growing digital world. We invite newcomers as well as our family of business influencers to a place to play, share ideas, questions, tips, and guidance with other thought leaders around the globe. Sit back and enjoy our program with our host, Dean Delisle, as he interviews guests. News and commentary is provided by Kate Hassett and Jackson Delisle. Power Move lessons are provided by the Influencer Marketing Department at Social Jack. And production, editing, and distribution is provided by the Social Jack production team. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Influence Factory. Uh, we have a great show for you today with a very special guest that we'll be announcing here in a few minutes. Uh, can't wait to have her on. Also, remember, the more you engage, the more you win. We have prizes, prizes, prizes. So we have prizes for Facebook engagement and Zoom engagement. So we have two live streaming audiences going on at once. And who knows, as the future of internet television goes, how many we'll have in the future. Um, Kate, we have, uh, do you say Emily's on the, uh, on the desk for helping with social today? So how do people engage with social so, of course, you can watch this live in the Facebook group, Business Influence Alliance, um, and you'll have to request to join, but Emily will be there to let you in. Also, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, and also on Twitter at Get Social Jack, and we'll be live tweeting the event right there. Right on, hashtag Influence Factory. So, Let's yep. rock and roll that. And then, uh, Jackson, I know you always like surprises. So we have an instant flash class that's going to flash in next Thursday at noon uh, that uh, just got uh, created a couple hours ago. We created it for the people coming out of the gathering, and now we're going to have it for a whole bunch of other people, too. So uh, we'll make sure that everybody that listens in uh, gets an invitation for that. But we're actually going to cover some new features in LinkedIn uh, that a lot of people didn't know about. Uh, we're also going to uh, cover uh, some ways to easily score your profile and jump that profile to the top. So I know everybody's interested in that. So it's a, a little bit of uh, some repeat stuff and then some new things in there as well. Uh, so with that being said, uh, we're rocking and rolling. Um, in terms of uh, uh, platform uh, distribution, Jackson, so uh, different people, I'm sort of curious if uh, people that are listening could chat and just let us know, how do you normally consume your podcasts? Um, so if you, uh, sort of curious, like, are you more of a YouTube person or are you an iTunes person or you Google play, uh, sort of curious and Jackson, while they're typing that in, where can people download this after the show? So after the show, you'll be able to watch it on YouTube. You can download it on iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and also Spotify in the near future. We're not on it yet, but we're looking to, uh, get on it. Uh, shortly. So, yeah, cool stuff. So, the world is growing for sure. All right. So, with that being said, uh, let's uh, introduce the news. So, uh, today's news is brought to you by uh, the News Desk with Kate Hassett and Jackson Delisle. And this is the Influencer News Update. So, we have seven tips for using visual content marketing. Take it away. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in the past couple of years, we've uh, we probably all noticed that we've evolved into a very visual uh, oriented world that can be proven by just watching an Apple commercial. If you watch an Apple commercial and, and literally any of their ads, they're all visual. It's usually visual with music in the background, but there's little to no talking because you know, what this article really discusses is the importance of visuals due to the fact that, uh, you know, our brain only needs a tenth of a second to process and remember an image as opposed to something that we've heard or read. We're also six times more likely to remember an image over things we've heard from others or, you know, read in an article. So, you know, th that's a very big thing. And, you know, visual consists of uh, photos, graphics, um, videos, obviously, and then also infographics. Now, we noticed that some of those uh, visual aspects and uh, they, they perform better on other platforms than, you know, some of their counterparts. So, 
Uh, Instagram is not really the place to put an infographic. We noticed that those don't perform as well due to the fact that they have words on the graphic. The words are, for some reason, they don't uh, come across as well on Instagram as like if you post a, a infographic on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, you're going to see a lot of engagement. People are much more likely to share. Uh, this article actually mentions that you're supposed, you'll see 12% more traffic on the post and 200% more in shares. So who wouldn't want 200% more in shares? So it, that that's that's a really big thing. And, you know, like I said, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, they're more versatile. You post a um, video, photo, graphic, uh, infographic, any of those things, they tend to uh, be very versatile on their audience and what their audience likes. So Instagram really just, I would say, stay away from infographics and move towards uh, the other aspects of visual. Uh, and, you know, so talking about the seven steps, uh, the top ones are, you know, use images that are easy to understand. And then this, uh, so that means, you know, ones that get your message across without you having to explain the message. Uh, num number two, uh, use a variety of image types and formats. So graphics, infographics, um, images with people of different uh, things. So th that's, that's another big thing is, you know, use a wide variety, but still making sure they're easy to understand and uh, you don't have to explain it. And then uh, the biggest one, in my opinion, is number three, make sure you're observing copyright laws for the web because a lot of people I find that are, you know, trying to find relevant images, but are kind of blind to the fact that, oh, these are copywritten. So that's a big thing that, you know, I know a lot of you understand. I just want to stress that a lot because that could save time and money. Um, number four, optimize the visuals with keywords for SEO and hashtags for social. That's a big one because you want to boost your SEO across the board. So make sure that, you know, your file names, things like that are in the, uh, you have your keywords in them, have a couple of them, at least the company name or the project name, uh, something that is public that will be easy to find. And that'll also help with SEO. Um, so, social so hold on, hold on, Kate, you do a ton of this. So what's, uh, what about from your viewpoint in terms of you guys are on the ground, you know, really helping people with visual. And I know sometimes we get stuck on some of these things. So what do you have for us? Yeah, I think the most important thing that he mentioned, um, that I loved was like the infographic for Instagram and how it, you know, that's not really where it goes. And so I think people kind of lose sight of the fact that just like we write, to our audiences differently on different social media sites, we also present content to them differently in visual form. So, you know, it's important, not even just from perspective of, I read an article that said, this isn't going to perform well on Instagram. It's kind of looking at what performs well with your audience and adjusting. So we know things like, in, like infographics don't go well from a statistic, but what are the other things that are doing well with your audience on different platforms? And that's what's going to make you want to create more. Um, obviously, we're seeing visuals on LinkedIn, like LinkedIn video is huge right now. That's what everybody is doing to help position themselves as a thought leader and to connect to their audience, make content that creates value. So if you put out a couple of videos and you see you're doing well, you know, that's something that you'll want to continue. But like we want to cater to our different platforms because those long form videos that are doing really well on LinkedIn, they're not even going to fit on Instagram. So you just kind of want to be very mindful of who you're talking to on what platform and how you're saying it even visually. Yeah. What about, uh, what about stock images versus natural images? Cause you know, the stock image business has you know, been booming for the last decade and, and there's a ton of them out there and that gets into the copyright stuff that Jackson was talking about. Always make sure you either buy them or it's royalty free, but um, you know, it's, it's almost like um, the comments are that uh, try and get away from stock images if you can. Yeah, absolutely. I think where we run into this issue a lot is when you're posting thought leadership content, um, someone else's article that's not yours. You know, obviously you need to use a, an image of some sort because we know that 
you know, links with images are going to get better pictures. So try to use the preview photo if you can. Um, we find that a lot of thought leadership content nowadays out there doesn't have a picture attached. So I do recommend using a stock photo before you put no photo whatsoever. And keeping in mind that you want to use something that you can use free. We like unsplash.com. Those are pictures that you can use, um, repurpose. We see them a lot online. But in terms of if you can get a normal picture, a real picture of people having fun, of people laughing, engaged, that's not a stock photo, hands down, go for people over stock any day. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. And I think, uh, Jackson, to your point on hashtags, I think people get caught up on hashtags and actually forget about keywords. So just, um, you know, what's really important is adding titles and descriptions when you're posting your pictures. They give you plenty of real estate to do that. Uh, don't forget your business name and your name, you know, especially if you're the influencer or the thought leader. So make sure that you actually put that information or that data in there and setting that digital footprint for yourself. And then uh, Kate, I know you guys deal a lot with keywords. Anything else to add on that? Yeah, I think also when you're when you're sharing content, it's not necessarily exactly what the post is going to be about, but more so what you want to be found for. So for instance, we have clients that are sharing articles that maybe talk about blockchain to an extent, but that's that's not the main focus of why they're sharing it. They're sharing it for a completely different reason. So it's almost misleading to hashtag it as blockchain because that's not what they necessarily want to be found for. So your keywords um, in terms of an individual are what you want to be found for. So keep those up front and then try really hard not to spam people. You know, we say that the best number of keywords for LinkedIn is seven, you know, Facebook, we don't really suggest using keywords, or I'm sorry, hashtags, people don't use them as often. Instagram, you can use a lot more, but you don't want to spam. You don't want to just list out all these hashtags, just, you know, follow for, follow back, whatever they are. You don't want to spam people with the hashtags. You want to keep it clear and concise. You know what you want to be found for. You know what you want to talk about. And so you want to just keep that list very small, seven or under. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I think people forget that when you're putting a hashtag in anything, you're actually calling a community to come to you. And so that community is going to build trust in you as a thought leader if you're reliable in your messaging. So to Kate's point, if you use a hashtag, make sure it's totally relevant to what the users are reading or they're not going to trust you and they're going to unfollow you and ignore you when they get the hashtag signal. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, I just wanted to say that, uh, like Dean said, with having a relevant hashtag, I would suggest doing the research on those hashtags first, searching, seeing what kind of content is posting up. If this isn't related, if the content that's posting up isn't related to what you're trying to post, the message you're trying to get across, then I would say do not use that hashtag because you're going to get a lot of people that it's not in their wheelhouse of what they're looking for. So that's just another thing to keep in mind. And uh, I will, uh, you know, make sure to tweet out this article after uh, the show is over. That way you guys will have it uh, immediately. You can also find uh, all of our show notes in the resource center, uh, in the description on YouTube, as well as on uh, the podcast. So make sure to check those out and take a look at that after the fact. Uh, you can also tweet to us throughout the week and ask us questions. Let us know what kind of articles you want to hear about because we can find articles about that. That way we're covering things that you know are meaningful to you guys as well and we know what you guys are looking for. So, yeah, love it. All right. Well, thanks, Kate and Jackson. Awesome news as always. It's, uh, it's amazing how much uh, there is to learn out here, huh? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's go into our power move. Uh, one of the power moves is really related to the guests that I have coming on today. Um, this is called time blocking your influence. And timely enough, we just taught a class on time blocking and time tracking on Monday with Centrist Bank. And, um, you know, what's interesting about this is if you're going to write a book, if you're going to be an influencer, you have to block time 
to do the book, you have to block time uh, to be an influencer and be with your audience. So that's why in Social Jack, we have you block just 20 minutes a day to hold consciousness that your job is to be a community manager, to go out there and have conversations, meaningful conversations, and reel in the the actual uh, audience that you really want to have and have those relationships with. So you're building relationships. And again, make sure you're committed to that because if you just go in there every once in a while, people aren't going to trust or know when you're going to be in there. So uh, it is a little bit of a daily discipline, but 20 minutes is a day is all you should have. And to Jackson's point, if you do log into Social Jack, you'll find classes in there to walk you through content mapping and all the stuff that Kate and her team do, uh, sort of showing you the, the behind the scenes of how to effectively post content out there. So uh, that is today's uh, power move. So let's go ahead and uh, introduce our guest this week. Uh, this uh, Melissa Wilson is uh, my publisher, guest influencer this week, and president of Networlding, a turnkey book creation firm. Uh, she and her team offer uh, Make a Difference leaders to turnkey process to su successfully write, publish, and launch their nonfiction books. Um, although I think I'd like to do a fiction book. I have to talk about that. But I want to welcome a five-time bestselling author, Melissa Wilson. Hey, Melissa, how you doing? Hi. <laughs> welcome welcome from Palm Springs, right? Yeah, I was going to say I have a net world here too. It's just orange. It's, uh, <laughs> I wanted to go with all of your recommendations for visuals. I know. All of a sudden, I'm like, I love this room that you're in. And, and I want to thank you because I know there's construction following you all over the U.S. as you travel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so that's cool. And is uh, Lexi joining you today or is she in another? Well, you know, Lexi went off with my husband to the park, but I brought a picture of her just <laughs> so that everybody knows she's usually in the in the building somewhere. So thanks for asking about her. She's a golden doodle, right? Yeah, she's a toy golden doodle, which um, we've seen just one other so far. Most of pe most people have minis or the large ones, but she's um, she looks like Princess Leia. So I actually had a picture, which I think is so cute, with her little ears like Princess Leia. Remember her with those oh, yeah. braids? So I said, here's Princess Lulu because she's Lexi Lulu, and then here's Princess Leia. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you've uh, you're helping me with my book launch, and you've helped me get through the writing of my book. and And there's many uh, there's many chapters to writing chapters in a book. No pun intended. Yes. Um, and so, uh, before we get into sort of helping others that might have a book on their mind, and I'm curious from the audience if you could chime in or chat and think about and let us know: Have you written a book, or are you looking to write a book soon? That would be awesome, so we can know where you're at in your journey because everyone has a book in them. Um, however, you and I met, uh, I don't know if I want to say decades ago, but a while ago, uh, in, in the, in the net worlding world. And, yeah. uh, you came into a Vistage group and spoke to us and, uh, and I believe I, I read your book. I said, yeah. Yeah. I believe I read your book at that time. So tell us a little bit how you got started and, and a little bit about what networking is. Cause I think it's totally relevant for our mm -hmm. audience and how they work. Sure. Well, I, I had been writing books and by the way, um, one of the bestsellers, the wall street journal bestseller is a fiction book. It's a parable and that one's called networking is dead. And it's really about making connections that matter. And I know that's what you're all about. So I'll preface the whole journey um, to connect with you now with the, um, if you will, the hashtag, <laughs> no, K-N-O-W is different than capital K-N-O-W, knowing someone. And so I would say, and I do like to use a scale from one to 10 because everybody knows what a 10 is, if you will. I would say we were connected at a, maybe a two level when we began, right. but now we're connected, I think at a nine to 10 level. And, and, and there's the book and the way uh, the journey that you took and I take with my authors is very similar to the journey I took. I, 
I started writing books back in, my first book came out in 1990. And that was the Chicago Entrepreneur Source Book. And Cranes made that one of their top 10 books for the year. And because of that, I was networked in immediately to the Chamber of Commerce, the state of Illinois. We used to have a women's business advocate. I worked with the SBA. Um, it was the wonderful door opener into relationships, authentic, uh, connective, growing relationships with so many places and then banks. So I got involved with banks because banks are the one place they don't have billable hours. I have a law degree. So I was at a big law firm for a while and then um, segued off into entrepreneurship. But that wonderful journey was through banks. And I was the longest trainer at teaching networking, which was my second book that came out in 1993. And I, I got housed in with FERS. If anybody remembers them, they got oh, yeah. bought up by... Um, uh, RS, I think H&R Block and then RSM McGladry. Right. But I got to, they had a training arm and I got to work with them helping 300 accounting firms learn networking. So that's where I had guinea pigs practicing and, and I started evolving a methodology that led me to getting on the board at the University of Chicago, the Women's Graduate Advisory Board connecting with my co-author on networking, which was then moving up to my seventh book. Um, I did other books on questioning, how to create great questions and all kinds of other leadership books. But when I met Jocelyn, who was at that time, she opened up Latin America for Motorola. Uh, then she became the first CMO of Motorola. And because of the book, I ended up with a half a million dollar contract at Motorola, teaching them how to become marketers which that was uh, the year 2000 when everything started transitioning, if you remember, into the social world. So in Chicago, I was there being a mentor to Chad Coe, who took years saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And eventually he went, oh, my God, I get it. And the rest is history. Um, I also was there with Lillian Biorshev, helping her get started, helping people do networking events, doing dozens and dozens and dozens of networking events for all the uh, Loyola, DePaul, University of Chicago. I was there every year. I was on the, the board for seven years. And what I learned is there are so many shy people in the world, and I'm one of them. So it's crazy. And I always I thought of you as this networking person because you were yeah. running all these groups. Right. And I, I am definitely one of those people who suffers from loneliness. I'm a connection holic, but I'm afraid I hate social networking events because you go in there and especially for introverts there, it's overwhelming and you don't know where to start. You don't know how to open up a conversation. You don't want to be, uh, you don't want people to perceive you as hawking your wares. So I actually created events that were structured and interactive. So everybody got to know each other. And one time we brought 22 chambers together. And I would have people at events walking up to me and saying, I'm so afraid I can't look anyone in the eyes. And what I do is, I'd start the event by bringing that person up on stage and I'd say, okay, and this guy's name was Manny and he was scared to death. And I said, Manny feels like no one cares about him because people don't look him in the eyes when they shake his hand. Can you please go up to him and just do that? Well, at the end, this was on the car. What is it? The I'm trying to remember the cruise, the, the ship that goes out of the Navy, at Navy Pier. One of the, one of the the ships there. Not Wendella, the other one. I think you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, I forget what the name of that one was, but at the end, I'm walking off the ship, and when when I would do networking events, everybody stayed for hours. It was hard to get them out of the room because we glued them together through the interactive um, uh, exercises that I created. 
he came running off off after me and he goes, Melissa, Melissa, I'm cured. So <laughs> so through the years I saw that it was like what Tony Robbins experiences, because what I found, the bigger the audience, the more connective. And one of the places that I love to be with the most would be techies. Uh, I've spoken at MIT Forum at least three times. I love the Motorola people. Why is that? Because they're engineers? and, and Yeah, they loved only- having a seven-step process for building networks. <laughs> and, and, and they they get that. Process. And by the whole group doing it, like if I had it at Motorola, we had 350 people in the audience. And I said to them, get together in groups of 10 and then uh, find out how many degrees away you are from Carolyn Kennedy. Well, it was incredible. We had mics in the audience and, and they'd come up and share. They were the coolest uh, people there, the engineers. And finally, they, they came up with stories like my cousin was um, playing, uh, was, a, was in ballet with Carolyn. And then another one, uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. was alive then. Someone knew someone who played football with him. So I finally said, how many people are within... Uh, six degrees from Carolyn Kennedy and two thirds of the room stood up. Wow. So then I could move them into an exercise that really made a difference. And this is an iconic story. It was, you know, Motorola is broken up and now is ripped off into other areas, but they knew at that time they were siloed. And the best way to break a silo or silos is to create networks or net worlds, as I'd say. And so then the next exercise was everybody had cards, note cards. I said, again, get together in groups of 10, somebody you didn't, a group before that you weren't in. They always did what I asked because that's the magic of the big crowd. Harder with small crowds. And I said, now, Pick one person in the organization you haven't met yet. You want to meet, write that at the top of your card because they had 80,000 people in their company. Right. Write one person on the other side you want to meet that's outside of the company, anyone in the world. I mean, they traveled the world. So they did that. And then they opened up like a lot of the interactive networking events they did. They opened up the back and they had a big buffet and they asked me to get books. So we're, I know we're leading back into books. So I actually had gone to their own store, got 350 books because that was part of the talk. The, they wanted me to do that. And I signed books for two and a half hours. Oh. And what happened was all during the time, I wish I would have videoed it because there's another woman who videoed um, ben Zander from the Boston Philharmonic, and she created a, a program out of it. She charged 50000 for the program. Wow. It was one of the videos that she'd give to companies training. I wish I would have put that as a requirement because all I heard for two and a half hours were people sharing across silos. You mean if we if we got together, we could order paper supplies and get a discount? And, and, oh, well, we could go over here and get this and that and all, you know, they were probably saving millions and millions and millions by networking internally. Right. And then at that time, I believe his name was Ed Zander. He was the president and he walked up to me and he goes, how come I haven't heard of you before? And I said, I don't know. And, and he said, um, I heard that you got a special deal on our books. You got 10% off. Thanks for saving us money. How did you do that? I said, I walked down the hall over to your bookstore and I had hit a tipping point. So they gave me 10% off. This is the sad blinding flash of the obvious in the big companies. And I learned that over 50% of their consulting is, is based on duplication of efforts. So they'll bring in a McKinsey or a, a Boston Consulting Group or whatever, and they're all doing the same thing because no one's sharing. And that's- I noticed, that's I noticed that. Yeah. I noticed that. Well, you know, and I've, I've dealt with big companies, um, deal with some now, and it is interesting how there's like- um, it's almost like they don't trust each other. So they're all, like you said, I'm, I'm blown away 
by, well, you know, we're doing that too, is, is, is what I hear a lot. You know, it's like, you know, right. someone else is doing something, there's this initiative. Oh, well, we're doing that over here. But it's almost like, and, and that's why I think a lot of them are in trouble because they, are. they don't inter-network, which, you know, working on my book is one of the things. It's like, pick the people that are close to you so you guys can form, begin to form a real good culture, you know? And practice a process. Yeah. What's beautiful is, I learned a lot. You know, Billy Dexter, I talked yep. about him before and I've, I've introduced him to you and we are going to do best networkers in the world contest all over the country. Yes, we are. Because we're going to find all those who are like us and show people what we can do. It might take, you know, a hundred of us to become one Oprah, but we're going to do it. And it was a, a moment when I introduced Billy to you because when I, I was gifted by Regis, the shared office space, a room that had eight seats in it was like a business connection center for a year. That was worth $80,000. And they had a wonderful space for me to do conferences. So I created this contest. People flew in from all over the world. And Billy was there. And Billy was connected to me through Jocelyn again. So it, it's, it's, wow. it's the small world concept. We really are now into three degrees because I'm a social scientist. We're into three degrees. Facebook is validated. So basically, we're only two people away versus five people away from anyone we want to meet. So yeah. your process and what you're doing, the community you've developed, the uh, evergreen community, which is so vibrant, is so important. And my, one of my best moments in life <clears throat> was introducing Billy to you and just watching Billy, who won one of the best networkers in the world contest, delivered to me over a million dollars worth of business so far through referrals over the last 10 years, helping people write books. And then knowing that Billy said, because of his network or net world, as I'd call it, he's received over $34 million worth of business. Wow. Now, not only has he done that, but he's done it and had fun at the same time. And, and he gives back and he helps uh, Ivy League kids, kids who are, are destined for Ivy League skills, they're valedictorians in inner cities, go to college, go to Ivy League schools. And, and what's the name of the book that the two of you worked on? We wrote Making Your Network. The Art and Science of Career and Business Networking, which what I found then after teaching networking and, and developing it for like two decades, that when you blend the art against the science, you really start getting people interested. Now, they love the science, but I can validate the science. Now, you threw in your book, because I'm segueing over to that, which I had so much fun writing first. Uh, the Street Guide to Digital Business Influence, right? First. And first, <laughs> first. And first, not next. Cause, cause, well, because everyone wants to be first. They want to be first known, first, you know, called, you know, first. It is. First and it's and, and how to do it with grace and love and connection and and authenticity. So that's a very powerful spot that. I think where we're at right now, what I've been searching for for years, and I've met up with those people, and I think you're one of those, those um, I know you're one of those, somebody who you can start right from the get-go, not wondering whether you should trust, but trusting and then really accelerating goal achievement. Right. And that's where... It's such an honor. I was the networking coach on Six Figure Jobs for 10 years. And I couldn't stop because I was fascinated that people would pay $3,500 on average to outplacement firms. And I'm sorry, but all I, I worked with the outplacement firms. I worked with Drake Bean for years, always giving and never receiving anything from any of them. Because people have such a hard time when they're in between jobs. Right. But I would sit on the phone and do an hour consultation. And every single time people would say, 
Um, my firm spent 3500 on teaching me LinkedIn, and not teaching me LinkedIn, teaching, um, helping me network. All I got was a cubicle and a bunch of numbers. And I said, well, let me show you LinkedIn. And I was there when LinkedIn started, got to present to them, which was like going to Oz, I told them, when they had only 80 people. And I would say, here's LinkedIn. And I always had interns, so I had always had my interns studying how it, LinkedIn was growing. And for a decade, all I heard from people were, were things like, oh, I don't want to be on that. That's just for people changing jobs. That's for this right. or that's for that. People still say that. I know, they do. So I'm saying that's a bunch of BS. Ever since the beginning, LinkedIn is Nirvana. And, and I'm the biggest fan. Um, I was one of the 10 lions in the beginning, the LinkedIn Open Networkers. But, you know, staying steady on that, what I found with people calling on the phone, they'd say, I can't believe I spent this money or my company spent this money. I got nothing out of it. But this one hour changed everything for me. And so now, flash forward, LinkedIn started in 2002 when I had my best. And just just a bottom line, in that hour, you were actually teaching them to be human and to connect. Right. Oh, absolutely. Basically, basically, instead of just like, you know, oh, do a bunch of outbound dials. And, and, you know, there was this whole, I think you changed the whole dynamic of what networking was supposed to be, not what people were doing. I just want to make sure I hear that. No, and I I appreciate that. Networking stands for building mutually beneficial relationships to create transformational opportunities. And what I did through the years is, Um, as a practitioner, and I'd like to think, uh, you know, you're one of the 10, I'm one of the 10 leading practitioners, we're out there regularly, I can't get away from networking, and and selling books is all about building relationships and building networks. So it's, it's asking those dynamic questions, and I would say, Sally Helgeson, who wrote The Female Advantage in Thriving 24-7, I got to be on a panel at uh, Fortune Brands, and she led the panel, and I shared my seven levels of support. I call it the Great Exchange, the Networking Support Exchange Model. Now, I blended it with Billy's, so it's the, the Making Your Network Networking um, Support Exchange, and there's an assessment in the book we've used for years to identify the best networkers. So that's what we're going to do when we find the best networkers in the world, because my hypothesis is as we come together, and then I'll mention the virtuous circle we're talking about, you are passionate. Like the thing that lights me up is not making more money unless it's to help um, children, young and new adults get better starts in life. And I've been mentoring for years and you're working on digital literacy in schools. And many, many of my clients now, over 120 books that I've helped authors write and publish, many of my authors have that that give back. I should say they have they all have to now. I don't take on authors who aren't focused on making a difference. But many of my authors are people of color and we've gone into inner cities and we did go into Austin into a wonderful charter school there where James Rousseau, who ran a division of Allstate, he ended up in school, in that school, teaching them his um, model from his book called um, Success on Your Own Terms. And we mentored, or he mentored four kids, and then they had to each pay it two-word instead of forward to two other kids. Because it's the peers... The peers that have the influence with one another. And that leads me back to your book, which is so cool because you go back into your street life. And I I had a street life inside my home. My home was absolutely crazy. And my mother was crazy. And it was a crazy childhood. But I learned what I didn't want and created what I did want and now can't do enough giving back and with a huge focus now on building community centers. And that's, yeah, that's where that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. 
that's my that's my big passion is is helping build community centers and starting in Chicago. And because of you, um, you introduced me to Colin Egglesfield, who we're coming out, bringing a book out um, called Agile Artist. And it's then the, the subtitle is lessons, life lessons from Hollywood and beyond. And we're going to take a significant portion of those proceeds uh, and put them into building out these community centers, especially in at-risk communities. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, our mission is to put, uh, and we have our whole digital citizenship program and ours is to put it into schools that can't afford that program so that all kids have a chance uh, not you know, to grow up alone, you know, which I think is a big thing because you mentioned that and I don't think it's just, you know, introverts and, and I think Robin or somebody chimed in and said, you know, I have to, I have to work to be an extrovert, you know, so, <laughs> you know, we all, re- I think we all can relate to that. Even now I'll walk in and, and you know who these networking events are that they're friends of ours that have these events that have 300 people. That's overwhelming to me. I like, you know, 50 and under so I can meet everyone and know the relationships in the room. So I think we go through chapters of our life where it's good to have the mega events and then you appreciate having the smaller, more intimate networks. But one thing I want to go back to for a minute is, and I think, um, you know, I write about this in my book, you mentioned it, is that you grew up lonely and 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 I'm wondering if you know and I grew up feeling alone on the streets and so as as a lot of us have had those periods whether it's it's a lot of our life or part of our life you know where we have this factor where we just feel alone and and especially entrepreneurs and people that are going for it mm-hmm. we're leaders at the top um, for for you was that part of the core hunger that drove you to understand yeah. and feel how people or to, to study how people should connect? Yeah, I see what I saw by creating these exercises of connection was that you could take a person like one in uh, Northwestern alumni, MBA alumni, lots of uh, MBA groups. She had Coke bottle glasses and she said to me before we started the event, I'm so afraid and I don't know anyone. And I said, when we network, see the way networking events should be, because I did them, um, is to have your tables be teams. So that fits into your social teaming. Yep, it and does. then the first exercise, well, the, the, the big problem we have, I'm going to segue off just for a second, is that our small talk is the enemy of the people <laughs> and yes. we are doing an inch deep and a, and a mile wide talk instead of a mile deep and an inch wide. And so I had so many experiences where people didn't get that even executive groups. So I'll go back to Northwestern, but I'll first share the Loyola MBA story. So I'm at the Loyola MBA um, uh, group that they're asking me, well, what are your networking extravaganzas like? I said, well, let me play the game with you. Let's start with, and my best exercise, and I'm giving it to you, it's, it's, it's always worked, is to break people up into groups. They could be, it could be groups of five, groups of eight, groups of 10, and have them find out what they have in common that isn't self-evident, like we all have eyes or we all have noses. And I, uh, they went, huh? And I, I, I said, well, let's play the game. They said, truly, we can't play that game. And I asked them why. Wow. They had an Hispanic uh, banker on the board and a, um, and an Asian person and an African-American person. And there were about 10 of them. And they said, honestly, we don't have anything in common. And I said, oh. And I said, and I, and I, I said, well, humor me just for one minute. Am I mistaken or aren't you on the board because you came from the same school? You went and got your MBAs here. <laughs> Duh. They all turned red and off they went. And once they go off, they just went and went and they found all these things in common. And, and juxtapose that against a law firm. 
Another exercise I do with people who know each other is I give them the um, the uh, challenge of figuring out what they have in common that they didn't know they had in common. And we found out in one law firm that the two partners played the cello since the age of something like five and they never knew it. Wow. And I kept finding that and finding that and finding connections and finding connections and finding connections. So go back to Northwestern. We did that exercise. And at the end, this woman walked up with the Coke bottle glasses and said, thank you. You've changed my life. So what I said, I actually dedicated Networlding. That was my seventh book. So I'm thinking, who else can I dedicate the book to? So I decided I dedicated to God for giving us each other without which none of this is possible. And we just don't have events that really bring people together. And I'm able to connect the whole room. You can also do it with a ball of yarn. I did that with the 22 chambers. I remember. Remember. Yeah. So you just, you just have fun with all these things and everybody walks out feeling more than versus less than. Yeah. And I had this, um, I I have this social experience that I love. I would, I, you know, me, I always pre-study the room whenever we have workshops or whoever it is, I look at the room and I pre-map people and, yeah. and, you know, ahead of time and I seat people in different spots depending on who they are. And I'm just love, I have, I'm so fascinated by that exercise. And so what's interesting in events, I would study things like, you know, well, who, you know, and then I would go, well, who likes red wine? And I stand up, look around mm-hmm. at who the red wine drinkers are and then the white wine drinkers and some would stand up for both. And then, you know, who loves to run, you know, who, whether it's a marathon or you just love running, who, who are you? And so I would pick about six or seven things. And then it was interesting because we would tape it and we would watch people after the event broke up and they were networking, they would cluster on their own. Right. Sort of like the yarn exercise. And so, you know, it was like interesting. And then we do the same thing with like, well, who knows, you know, we would pick like three hubs in the room and stand up if you know Melissa, you know, and people would stand up. And now if someone's standing up, that you know, then the rest then stand up, you know? And so it would take it's like literally- the first follower, you know, that video, yeah. the first follower. Right. And, and so if you go with that, imagine having those types of events in my mind in a community center and, and having the way I see it, having people who have masters in library science helping who are also happen to be wonderful networkers. I bet there are at least 10 out there in the world. And actually there are probably more, but they could, they could create the connections. Now that we have LinkedIn, you could be connecting to people wherever you travel. And what I say is missing is the facilitated networking and somebody who would create those wonderful connections. So in networking, I go back to the tipping point, the science, when Gladwell said you can be a maven salesperson or a connector. Right. What I discovered as a practitioner um, is that you can be all three. So what I say to people, and especially because you're working with thought leaders, I'll say, please just give me, just let's focus on one connection where you've discerned where you are a maven, where you just one great connection. And because our brains are neural networks in themselves, our brains will sort for the best. And if you ask them for two or three, I think the neural network in your brain gets all jammed up. Yeah, I do too. Well, and remember, I wrote a ton or referenced a ton because I studied mistaken beliefs and family systems for so long. It is amazing when I was teaching the graduate program, how many how many people would go, well, our culture doesn't allow us to think that way. And I go, wait a minute, you're mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Why don't you be the one to break that? And they're like, oh, yeah. And then they would go back, you know, to a family situation and things like that. And I'm like, you know, because we would teach them that you don't have to wait for your MBA to like use your MBA. <laughs> so <laughs> what a concept, you know, <laughs> it was like, really? Because they're like, well, I have to wait for my MBA and then I'll get this job or then I'll get promoted. I said, no, why are you waiting now? work all the way to that promotion now. So in eight weeks, we would get people promoted. It was like exciting. It's exciting to see that process. So, and then when all of a sudden they're like, uh, oh, 
you know, our family doesn't think that way. Well, you know, they're carrying those mistaken. They're carrying those systems and those mindsets in their brain. And we all have them. We all have them. We all do. We all do. And breaking them is by, I think, rewiring in these interactive events. And then, like I said, mark my words, Usually I'm 10 years ahead of it, but sooner or later, somebody's going to go, wait a minute, another nail salon, another hair salon, another clothing store? No, let's put in a networking center. When it's when it's more than 80% of the way people get jobs, why wouldn't there be networking centers out there? I think it is the biggest gap and the craziest chasm that we haven't crossed and and I I even had the honor of meeting up with this young guy who's a professor at the University of Chicago now. My husband made friends with him. He lives in our building, and he works with Ron Burt, who I knew way back when. Oh yeah. But these are theorists. It's like get your butt out on the street. Let's open these centers up. No more loneliness. It doesn't have to happen. Let's get jobs faster. And. All I'm saying is if somebody who has a brain in their head hears these ideas and connects, I've got the whole plan I've worked on for 10 years. It is crazy that we've been waiting for something that's been sitting right in front of us for so long and that it took LinkedIn at least a decade before they had a special offering for salespeople. Now, these are people who went to Ivy League schools. I'm, I'm sorry, but there's a big problem here. I mean, what are they thinking when it's right at our doorstep? Well, and what's interesting is, uh, is you know, you know, I teach a social career program, uh, you know, obviously in the universities and the schools and the high schools and everything, and, and as well for adults but then also the social selling program. And I'm going to give everyone a secret right now that I usually don't talk about in public, but 80% of the process on LinkedIn is the same. 80% is the same between if you're looking for a job, you want to get promoted or you want to generate sales. Thank you. I was looking for that statistic and I was going to ask the folks at the University of Chicago, do you think you can get me a team of kids who can validate this? No, I validated it over and over and over. Over 120,000 people now have taken our programs and we've match pointed the success in the pathway. Well, do you realize I've been, we've been talking, we've been working for hundreds of hours on your book and you just told me the thing I've been looking for for a decade. See that? That's we still that have, we, So I think, I think we're more of an eight and a half than a nine or a 10. So I th- I'm going to bump us down and we got a little ways to go on our. Yeah, well, I'm, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I've been looking for that statistic. Yeah, it's well, and it's crazy. So here's another statistic because this is what allows our program to be scalable is, you know, we're in GE and we started out in capital, GE capital, till they sold it off. But, you mm-hmm. know, I, I deal a lot in finance, wealth management, banking. I come from Merrill Lynch, you know, the accounting world. Yeah. <clears throat> so I've always done well and I've been very patient for all of you listening that are in those <laughs> fields because it's taken you 10 years to realize it's okay to do that. It's compliant to do what we teach you to do. So I've been patient. Uh, but the idea here is that Whenever we switch industries, because people go, oh, you know what, my industry, that is not my industry, or that that doesn't apply to my industry. And I'm like, do you realize when I was consulting you, I was teaching you uh, distribution principles, principles, even though you're a manufacturing company or you're a service company, I was teaching you retail principles. <laughs> you know, do you understand this? So 80% of our program, only t- 10 to 20% changes. Now we are now in the in the aviation sales business. I never, I don't know much. I've flown on planes, that's it. Mm-hmm. Now we're teaching digital aviation and we're teaching healthcare and power and literally social selling is the same. Yeah, yeah. Same. I, so let me let me make sure I validated this. And I, I see, I, I love all this, um, this talk, the chat on the side, I'm looking at it. Thanks yeah. for the Odyssey. That was the ship or the boat yeah, or the, the whatever. Odyssey, right? Yeah, Odyssey. Yeah, the Odyssey. Um, but it's it's one of these epiphany moments, you know, these aha moments. That so you're saying what I believe, 
and validated that the way people get jobs, keep jobs, are promoted, promoted and be promoted and, more. And, and they make more. And that's the way um, the top salespeople work, right? Through networking. But you validated all of those touch points. Yes. And industry to yeah. industry. I've had people change countries, continents, industries, and, and all that is validated. And social yeah. teaming is at the core. So what I'm thinking for your book, so this is how I work. I like to, I now yeah, have- we're, we're, we're working now in front of we, you. So, you know, we're we're actually working on his book. You have to put in an appendix and, and you're going to create a new kind of appendix, the aha appendix. So <laughs> now you've got your people, they're going to have to, Kate and, and um, Jackson, right? Yep. They're going to have to work and get all this documented and have docu- I have it documented. Good. Well, I don't mean that. I mean, all these points that you're making here today should be in the appendix and people can go look at them. It's like the secrets, you know, the, the top secrets that have been validated. Well, and honestly, we get this data from our participants out here. They're the people, right. that, you know, I've got Robin in here reporting. Oh my gosh, this is what I did. And it worked. Oh yeah. You know, and then, or yeah, it's like, thanks, this is so Robin. much. I really like, I think you were saying that there was a silo problem in Honeywell, Philip Elect- yep. Phillips and, and MorphoTrust. And, and, and you know, IBM, that should be know. a poll though. That should, yeah. you should do a poll out to the group and find out, you know, the most siloed companies and, and, you know, shame on them. They all have to wake up and do something for themselves first by helping their people. Yep. But it's what you see are connections, but, but the, I think the big problem is this is one of one of my metaphors that most people live in a checker world, a checker playing world than a chess world. Right. They can't see more than one move out. And so they don't take the time there. And so when people say they're strategists, I want to say, show me the money. Show me that you can be a strategist, because I can't believe that these companies are working the way they're working. And one other thing for anyone, on cha- this is another challenge, which you can do right now. Show me all the companies or not, which is the truth, that have formal business networking programs, right. like what we're talking about in their companies. That was my big aha. After helping 120 authors, business authors write books, every one of them had a chapter on networking. And I kept looking and doing more research. And I realized after all the years I spent teaching it, that there are over 200,000 hits on Google. You know, when you, when you type in, in quotes, formal mentoring programs, 200,000 companies that have mentoring programs. And we are, uh, we are void of companies that have significant networking programs. And of course, they're not happening in the schools the way they should. They're certainly not happening in the high schools. So we have a huge opportunity and a chasm that we hopefully, because now you and I are connected. I connected you with Billy because I love to do that. And I'm going to find all the other best networkers in the world that get this. And we're going to make a difference and close the gap. I, amen, sister. I'm with you. How about yeah. everybody? Is everybody with us on this? I hope so. So uh, look at that. And we filled up the whole show time and I didn't even get to like nine of the questions. It's just how we work all the time. So we yeah. always have to have you back. Everybody's going, amen, definitely. So we're getting a lot of good shout outs. <laughs> everybody, we got the train going here. So this is awesome. So as we close out, um, you've mentioned a bunch of books. You've mentioned a bunch of authors. The website is networlding.com. So people can. Yes, or Melissa G. Wilson. You can dot com. You can get there, Melissa G. And I like to call myself now the million dollar muse because that's how I work with the authors. And they are always, there are always many surprises to work with me, many good surprises, right? Yes, great surprises, whether it's, you know, two in the morning or, or six in the morning, doesn't matter. We're always surprising each other. And we're, yes. uh, we're hard. And working. hi, Julie Clark. 
She's like, <laughs> and I know Joe, Joe, what is his name? Oh, Jimmy Comiskey, is that it? Oh, yeah, Jimmy Z. Jimmy Z. Jimmy, we've known each other forever. What a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He's one of he's one of the one of the crew here. And guess who we're gonna have on uh ne- the next episode is our now mutual friend Wayne Mesmer. So you brought oh, Wayne as well. And uh and he, uh, those in Chicago known that he sang the national anthem for the Blackhawks. I heard him for seven years of my season ticket holding uh for the uh Wolves the Cubs, the Bears, and the White Sox, and he's the official voice of the Chicago Cubs. And uh, we'll see. He might sing for us. So Julie's like, can he sing for us? But I met him because Melissa's on my team, right? So you guys know about social teaming. She's on my team, and and she she brought him to one of my events. We did the interview, and we just hit it off and have become uh, good friends out of the whole thing. So I want to thank you for that, too. Sure. And if you want to read his book in advance, that's called The Voice of Victory. Yes, it's a great book, The Voice of Victory. It's it's gripping. He's one of the best storytellers in the world. Yeah, and many people don't know his story, so we'll save that for his uh, his uh, interview. So real quick here, as we close out, we have two winners. Let's bring uh, Kate and Jackson on. I'd like to hear from everybody in the audience. What did you get from this session that you can take away and put into your life and put into action for you? So Kate, what did you get out of the session today? Um, I really just like Melissa's outlook on networking and how it's kind of, you know, a lot of people just think like, oh, I'm not good at networking, but it's something that you can learn and get better at. So um, I know sometimes when we go to events and they're like hundreds of people, I feel way less comfortable than like intimate ones. But I think if I kind of started looking at it more like that, um, I would be better at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you you know, one other little thing, you can always go with the wingman or wing girl, the MIT people that made all the difference with them. So someday I might go with you if I get brave enough. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Wingman or wing woman. That sounds like a blog. That's awesome. Jackson, how about you? Yeah, I would say my biggest thing was something you said early on was that you, you know, you really uh you struggle with uh, loneliness when it, uh, because you crave the connections, you crave networking, being around people, that engagement. And, you know, I, I always say that, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't need it, but I enjoy it. Uh, but then, you know, when I'm alone, I always, I'm like, I should probably just call someone, check in, see how they're doing. Because I also, you know, it, it's, it's human nature to crave that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and I totally agree. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that. That was really beautiful. Yeah, you can yeah. always call me, Jackson. Okay, I will. I'll add you to my list. Thank you. <laughs> put Thank her on your team. I highly recommend uh, <laughs> put her on your team. It's scouting and drafting. So with that being said, Jackson, we have two winners, one out of Facebook and one out of Zoom. They oh, give Starbucks gift cards. Yeah. So, uh, our, our winner for the zoo for in our zoom platform is Howard Delaney. So congratulations. Ooh. Remember you have to use that for a meeting, uh, where you talk about something you learned on this podcast, teach it to someone else. Also our, uh, Facebook winner, uh, is James Gustin. Shut he up, was, James Gustin. James hey. Gustin. I know we love James. He, uh, he was actually, you know, one of the first ones in on Facebook and he hung with us for the whole time. So uh, I want to thank you, James. And remember to uh, call me because we have to go to Starbucks. So, <laughs> All right. So uh, awesome stuff. And then everybody was uh, just typing in a lot of the things that they're going to use. Some people are uh, do talks. Some people, uh, you know, have uh, small meetings and they're going to use some of your ideas for that, Melissa. And so uh, social teaming and everything else. So it was a good, very good gelling show. And then uh, for those of you that are on camera, you can see Kate's uh, pooch. You want to introduce your dog real quick, Kate? Yeah, this this is Maddox. I'm sorry. He wouldn't stop whining. He needed to know what was going on. <laughs> he wanted to be on the yeah. podcast. Woo-hoo! Yeah. He was enthralled by Melissa's networking tips. So he had to come say hello. 
We'll do a segment and call it Pausecast because then we can put the pause up there. So I love that. <laughs> Although I think that's uh, one of the other podcasts out there, but we'll figure it out. Well, Melissa, it's, it's a delight. Thank you so much for all your wisdom, all your guidance and leadership and helping me crank through this book. I have a lot of anxiety knowing that there's another thing to do, but that's okay. It just, it's part of the thing, man. It's like, it, and Melissa makes it great. So those of you looking to do a book, just please get a hold of Melissa. We gave, we'll send you the websites and the links. But when you're ready, she has a lot of cool downloads that you can just get right from the website. And then when you're ready, just give her a call. She'll take you through the journey. So thank you. Yeah, I have three free books you can download. And I love giving things away. So please go get them. All right. All right, everybody. Well, listen, uh, thank you so much. We have Wayne on next week. And uh, remember, whatever you learn today, please share it with somebody that you care about. And then you're a mentor, you're a thought leader, and you're a business influencer. So with that being said, we'll see you all online. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Influence Factory podcast. We welcome feedback and suggestions. You can provide these by visiting our website at www.myinfluencefactory.com. And if you are interested in Social Jack's 90 Days to Influence program, you can simply go to 90daystobusinessinfluence.com and simply ask for the next steps. While our program airs regularly on Zoom webcasts and Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon central, we invite you to download episodes on your favorite channel, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and who knows where else in the future. We will also provide occasional on-location live streams with special guests that we will announce in our community Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance, as well as on all Social Jack channels. Our mission is to help you build your digital business influence with this podcast, as well as inspire, educate, and entertain those who are hungry to collaborate in a cool place with cool business professionals just like you.